Amen. I feel the anointing of God is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow. For more information, visit Your hearts are at a really great place to receive. And so I've got a word for you from the Lord today that I know is it's for everybody here. Okay, so don't think, well, that wasn't for this is for you today. And I know that God's got to get something to you. He's got to get some truth into your heart. So I want you uh, to listen up and be uh, good soil. Amen. Because this the word of God is a seed that's planted in our hearts and a seed has to have good soil to be able to do something with. And, you know, I've, I've said it before, but it's it's interesting how in the exact same service, the exact same church, the exact same service, the same sermon, how come one person can get their life absolutely changed and rocked to the core? And then the next person walk out. Nah, I didn't get nothing. Today. I, didn't, I didn't. I just uh, I didn't feel nothing. Why is that? Is that because the seed wasn't the right seed? Is that because God's word wasn't good enough that day? No, it has everything to do with the condition of your heart. Are you good ground? Are you good soil? And I can tell you this much. I'm just going to share from the word of God today. I don't have nothing good to say, man. You know, I'm, I'm just not putting down on me. But uh, hey, there's a lot of smarter people in this world than me. But I do know this much. When I go to the word of God, it changes lives. It changes my life every single time. And so I encourage you today, be good soil. Be that good dirt. Any dirty people in here? I know you guys. Come on. All right. Don't don't lie. Listen, be that good soil and God's going to do something because the seed of his word is getting ready to come forward today and absolutely change our lives. Amen. And I'm excited about it. And I'm excited to be at High Desert Word Center this week. I've been traveling and out of town and all this stuff for a while. And man, I'm glad to be here today. I love my church. I visited churches all over the U.S., but listen to me, this is my church, and I love it, not just because I work here, but because I love you guys, amen? Amen. Man, it is good to be on the home field today. All right, well, the title is this. I want to get right into this because I don't want to lose the anointing we've got here. The title is this, Is the Risk Worth the Reward? Is the Risk Worth the Reward? And I've learned that in, in my life, you know, I, there's, we're presented with opportunities every single day that, that may seem like a good thing, right? It may seem like, well, this would be a good idea, or boy, wow, this seems like fun, or wh- whatever the case is. But one thing that I've learned is you always weigh the risk versus the reward, right? I mean, even if people, I'm not much of a financial expert, but I know even when you're looking at making investments, is the potential risk of losing it all worth the reward of making this amount of money? And, you know, I, I do, uh, I get into these survival shows and stuff like that. I am into that. And, and I can, I can tell you that the best guys that I like to listen to and follow and learn from when it comes to these things, They'll tell you, okay, you know, if you're in a survival situation, is the risk of climbing up this 200-foot tree to get a handful of berries worth the reward of potentially falling down and not surviving? Well, I mean, if you're in a really bad situation, maybe the risk is worth the reward, but chances are it's not worth that. And what I'm trying to talk to you about today is this, is that you're presented with things all the time, man. The devil will bring temptation. You don't even have to go looking for it. It's knocking at your door, right? Maybe temptation for lust. Maybe temptation to blow up and have an outburst of anger and rage. That's a temptation for a lot of people. And I'm telling you right now, that could really screw things up in your life. Maybe he's tempting you with quitting Maybe he's tempting you with being too afraid to make that next step. Maybe he's tempting you with all sorts of different things. And uh, the, the, the immature Christian, the immature individual, they look at that and say, you know what, I know the Bible says this, but I just feel like blowing up right now, so I'm going to do it. And we're like, okay, you got it all out of your system, right? But was it worth it in the end to destroy people in your path? Was that worth the reward and the gratitude? gratification that you felt for just getting it off of your chest was it worth it to go out i know i don't i don't believe in this but i'm going to go out and i'm just i just i need some beer tonight man and you know i've heard i've had people church members i just i'm telling you what i know it's wrong but i just i need to go out and get me a drink first of all why would you tell the pastor that but second of all why i mean seriously is the risk worth the reward because 
Sometimes we do need an outlet. Sometimes we do need a little bit of help. But I've been taught since I was a little kid that when I need a little help, when I need a little outlet, Jesus is my source of comfort. The Holy Spirit is much better than the spirits that the world serves. The Holy Spirit, God's word, always has the answer to bring me the hope and the help that I need, I don't need to look to some risky endeavor to try to get me some help in my time of need. And so we're going to kind of break this down a little bit today. Is the risk worth the reward? If you need an outline, raise your hand. The ushers uh, would love to get you one if you didn't get one already. But I, I did put this on your outline because it's something that I live by in my life. And it's this. Whenever I'm tempted with something, I ask myself, is this worth more than the blessing of God on my life and on my family? Is this, is, is taking this chance, is, is, is giving into this temptation, is giving into this situation worth risking the blessing of God upon my life and upon my family? Am I willing to, 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 to give into this if it means losing my, my wife and kids? It's not a thing in this world worth that. Am I willing to, to, to go ahead and, I mean, this will feel good for the night, man. This will, you know, let's just get real. Let's get real here. Is this worth losing walking away from Jesus? Is, is it worth it? And if you find something that, you know what, yeah, I think that's worth it, then by all means go. I haven't found anything yet that's worth risking the blessing of God upon my life and on my family. Now, we know that, that God doesn't just go yanking his blessing off of your life, but there's plenty of people that choose to walk away from God. You can't convince me otherwise. I know that he'll never leave me or forsake me. I know that he said, lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. He said that, and he meant it, and it's true. But there's a lot of people that they, they can't say that back to Jesus. They, they, they walk away from him, even though he'll never leave them. They choose to walk away and give up the blessing of God on their life. And this is something that's very real to me. So I want to just quickly look at, I'm in the Message Bible on, on this, just this one passage. Uh, but I want to show you something in Deuteronomy chapter 28. And where I kind of get this all, you know, is, is the risk worth the reward? Well, I'm not turning to this particular one today, but in Genesis 25, we have the story of Jacob and Esau, two brothers, okay? And so uh, these guys, man, they're brothers. You know how brothers are. And, and Esau, he's a hunter. He likes to go out and hunt, but he's the firstborn from their father, right? And so the firstborn is promised a blessing that the other kids don't get. And I'm, you know, I'm glad it's not that way today because I like being more blessed than my brothers are. Come on, somebody. No. Oh, here comes one now. Sorry. But anyway, uh, but, but, but for real, the firstborn was promised this blessing, but Esau, he didn't value the blessing, just like a lot of people in our modern Christianity. They've got blessings that God's promised them. They don't really care that much about it. They don't really value it that much. And so Esau comes in from hunting one day and all this stuff, and he's been out there doing his thing. He's a wild outdoorsman and all this stuff. And, and he comes, he's like, man, I am starving. Oh, my gosh, I would give anything right now. And Jacob, who his name literally, the name Jacob means deceiver. Let's just get real. My mom said she almost named me that. Then she looked up the meaning and decided not to. I'm not putting down on you if your name's Jacob, but I'm just saying watch out for those guys. Look out for them. So, so anyway, he comes in and Jacob, you know, being the deceiver he is, he's stirring a nice bowl of lentils, of beans. Like, oh, you're hungry, huh? Yeah, I'm just, oh, don't mind me. I'm just been here cooking these beans for a while. He's stirring the beans, and, and, and Esau comes in starving. He's like, man, I would give anything. Oh, my gosh. If I could eat right now, I'm starving. And Jacob says, anything? How about I'll give you this whole bowl of beans, this whole pot of lentils. I'll give it all to you if you will sign over your rights to the blessing of being the firstborn son. And Esau's like, man, deal. Yeah, I'm starving. Take it. I don't care. And he sells his blessing for a bowl of beans. And I mean, it sounds like we're making, you know, I'm not making this up at all. Genesis 25. He sells it all to his younger brother because he's starving. The temporary satisfaction of being full, of getting a meal, was worth more to him than the blessing of God 
that would come upon the descendants and, and the descendants and the descendants after that. That's a messed up story right there. That, that's, that is straight messed up. That he would sell the blessing of God out because he was hungry at the moment. But man, I know people that they'll, they'll, yeah, they'll sell their blessing out. They'll, they'll, they'll risk it all because they're hungry. They're in a bad mood. They don't feel like it today. They're tempted. They're full of lust. They're full of greed. They can make a quick buck. Whatever the case is, there's people that treat the blessing of God upon their life and upon their children, upon their spouse, upon their household, like they don't even really care that much. And that's nearly, uh, that's nearly mind-blowing. That's, that's an awful thing to think about. So let me show you this. Genesis 28, verses 1 through 14. I am reading this out of the Message Bible. It says, All these blessings will come down on you and spread out beyond you because you have responded to the voice of God, your God. Is there anybody in here today that you have responded to the voice of the Lord, your God? Can I see your hand? Is there anybody? That's a decent percentage, but I thought I'd see more in the church. Hallelujah. Okay, so it says, because you've responded to the voice of God, your God, God's blessing inside the city. God's blessing in the country. God's blessing on your children. The crops of your land, the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds, the lambs of your flocks, God's blessing on your basket and bread bowl. Man, that's talking about God's blessing on your food supply. Who likes to have a good food supply to feed your family with? I know your parents do. That says God will bless your food supply. God's blessing in your coming in. God's blessing in your going out. God will defeat your enemies who attack you. They'll come at you on one road and run away on seven roads. That's the blessing of God, man. That's good stuff. Why would you sell this? God will order a blessing on your barns and your workplaces. Who would like God to bless your place of work? I tell you this much, man. I don't want to work someplace that has the curse of God on it. I don't want to work someplace that doesn't have the blessing of God on it. But it tells me right here, if I'm serving God, that I can expect God's blessing on my workplace. He'll bless you in the land that God, your God, is giving you. God will form you as a people holy to him, just as he promised you, if you keep the commandments of God, your God, and live the way he has shown you. Well, he never showed me how to live. Yes, he did. You've got a Bible sitting right there. There's your instructions, brother. Read it. That's how you live right there, right? And so all the peoples of the earth, verse 10, all the peoples of the earth will see you living under the name of God and hold you in respectful awe. That's not that. I want that. It's not because I'm greedy. It's not because I'm arrogant and, and need to feed my ego. I want all the peoples of the earth to be able to look at me and to look at you guys and say, wow, what is it? There's, there's, there's just something I, I need what he has. I know he's not smart enough and strong enough and powerful enough and rich enough to be living that way. What is it he has? I need to know. Quick story, then I get back to this. Katie and I were in college. We worked at Dish Network in the call center. Okay, that was a lot of fun because I love getting yelled at every day. And so uh, customers call in and yell at you and threaten your life because their satellite's not working. It's, it's a blast. And so one day, though, I'm, I'm working, and uh, a coworker comes up and, and slips me a note. And I'm like, okay, that's weird. Haven't I really ever had a dude slip me a note, but let's see what it says here. So I open it up, and, he, and, and this guy says, out of everybody here, there's something different about you and Katie, and my life is a train wreck. I, what, can you please talk to me? Whatever it is you've got, I need it. And I'm like, cha-ching, man. Hello. I love to witness. I love to. And this fish just jumped into the boat. And so, I'm, I mean, I, of course, I sat down with him, led him to the Lord Jesus, and, 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 and showed him, man, here's what's different about us, the blessing of God. We got the blessing of God on our lives. We're not, we make the same amount of money as everybody else here. We, we you know, we're, we go to the same college that most of these students here are going to. But listen, it's the blessing of God because when I read the word, I, I don't just get inspiration from it. I get instruction on how to live my life. God's word is inspirational to me, but it's far more than that. And there's a lot of people that they like to get their daily dose, their, their daily upper from the word of God and read a cute psalm or proverb, and that's excellent. You should start there. That's great. But you're not going to start seeing your life change until you become a doer of God's word. 
Well, how could you say that? Well, James 1.22 says, Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, or you're deceiving your own selves. And so it says, God will bless your workplaces. He'll bless you in the land he's giving you. Uh, where did I leave off that? Okay, verse, verses 11 through 14. God will lavish you with good things. Yeah, he will. Anybody? Would you like God to lavish you with good things? Who wouldn't want that? God will lavish you with good things. Children from your womb, offspring from your animals, and crops from your land. The land that God promised your ancestors that he would give you. God will throw open the doors of his sky vaults and pour rain on your land on schedule and bless the work you take in hand. You will lend to many nations, but you yourself won't have to take out a loan. That's good news. Who would rather be the lender than the borrower? It's a, hey, it's a lot better to be the lender. And so God will make you the head, not the tail. Here's my favorite. You'll always be the top dog, never the bottom dog. Now, here's where the message translation gets a little loose with the wording. But, hey, I like it right here. As you obediently listen to and diligently keep the commands of God, your God, that I'm commanding you today, don't swerve an inch to the right or left from the words that I command you today by going off, following, and worshiping other gods. That's it. And, I mean, as, as great as those blessings sound, and some of it may sound confusing, well, herds and livestock, I don't have any of that. Man, he said he'll bless whatever you set your hand to. He'll bless your kids, your wife, your, your everybody, and your, he's going to bless you. That's good enough for me right there. And as great as all that sounds, Hebrews 8, 6, this is worth noting, says that in the New Testament, we have an even better covenant with better promises. So as good as all that sounds, you've got it even better today if you won't swerve an inch to the left or to the right. Just do things God's way, man. Don't risk losing it all for a quick buck. Don't risk losing it all to fulfill some ego thing you've got going on right now, man. Don't risk it for the blessing of God, all right? And so I'm going to look at a few things today uh, that people risk their blessing for. Things that people risk their blessing for. And I believe that God's going to speak to us today on this. But, but in fact, let's go ahead and pray before we dig into this. That was just a really long intro I just did. Let's just get into this, and we're going to pray and, and listen to what God's going to say, all right? Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, so much that we are in your house today. Lord, this is your house. We thank you that we're surrounded by our brothers, by our sisters. And, Lord, you want to speak to us. And, God, I pray that you'll have your way. Please anoint this message, anoint this word. Give us soft and, and tender hearts, Lord, so we can receive everything, absolutely everything that you want to say today. We praise you. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said. All right, so we're going to look at things that people risk their blessing for. And the first thing, and there, there's, with this could be a list a mile long. I'm just, I've, I've narrowed it down to a few things. And the first thing that I'm going to talk about today is money. Don't talk about money at church. Why not? Jesus does. God did. All right. And so things that people are willing to risk their blessing for. And so you may be thinking, okay, well, how do I risk the blessing of God over money? When you do something for money that goes against what the Bible says or against your own personal convictions, you're selling your blessing for money. When you clearly do something that the Bible says, you know, goes against the word of God just so you can make some money. Tell you what, right now, man, you may have made a few dollars, but now you don't have the blessing of God anymore. That's a bad spot to be in. Or maybe, uh, maybe uh, you've got a conviction in your heart and God's saying, no, that's not for you. Don't do that. Maybe it, it's not necessarily black and white in Scripture sin, but is there anything in your life that you have a conviction on? Because I can tell you that's a massive problem with the body of Christ today. No personal convictions. I'll just leave that alone. But I've got personal convictions that the Bible doesn't necessarily say, thou shalt not you know, frequent this establishment. I don't go there because they're ungodly and I don't want to give them my money. Or it may not say, thou shalt not hang out with this dude on the weekends. But in my heart, I know the Bible is, tells me, not, uh, the Holy Spirit's telling me, no, that's, you know, that guy's going to bring you down. That doesn't need to be your friend. There needs to be personal convictions in your life. And if you don't have anything that, that you just are personally convicted about, then 
that, I mean, that's, you'll fall for anything. If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything, right? And so, no wonder there's a lot of people that just are kind of, they're in a daze. They're walking around, because you need to have some things in your heart that you say, no, we don't do that, even though everybody else does, we don't do that. But there are some people that they do have convictions, but if money's on the table, they're willing to look past the convictions. They're willing to look past the word of God because there's money on the line. And so, you know, I was even thinking about this, and I've, I've shared this, uh, but, but, but I, I, I've noticed that, that sometimes when people want to serve in a church, I'm not talking necessarily talking about this church, but in a church, They'll give, they may have been out working all day, which is commendable, and giving their, their Fort Irwin, or the Marine base, the railroad, the school, wherever you work, maybe been given, given them 110%. Now I realize not everybody does, but, but maybe you have because, man, dude, they're paying me this amount of money. I better give them everything I got. But then some people will come in to God's house, maybe to work the nursery or be an usher or whatever, and give half of their effort or, or 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 maybe they don't even help in god's house at all what why is that why would they give the united states government or whoever your your employer is their full effort and attention and dedication but not give god's house even half of it well because money's more important to you i've heard of this quite in a super long time if i get my kids to be as quiet as you are i would sleep so good at night <laughs> But no, I mean, let's, we're just getting real here. What's money really worth to you? And this isn't a, we need more people to sign up. We're doing great, okay? I mean, sign up to help and stuff. But this isn't, I'm, we're not recruiting for nursery workers right now. But what I am saying is, if you would give more of effort and attention and dedication to some secular job, wherever it is you work, than you would to your one nursery night a month or your one day that you volunteered to help vacuum because they're paying you money, but God's not necessarily giving you a paycheck. He's just simply offering the blessing from Deuteronomy. You don't get it yet. That, uh, you, you don't fully understand that, and money's more important to you. And, and hey, that's maybe where you're at right now, but I'm telling you this much. When you fully understand the blessing of God and all that he has to offer, it's no problem to come in and serve with a smile on your face. I may not feel like it, but I'm telling you right now, there are days when I worked out in the secular world. Oh, man, one day at FedEx, I felt like the lowest I've ever felt. I felt bad. But, man, we needed money. Bad. I forced myself in there with 104-degree temperature, shoving these boxes over my head and everything else because I had a wife and kids that needed money. Needed food, Right? And I was willing to do it for money, but if I'm not willing to do something, to sacrifice and even show up and help when I don't feel like it because, well, they're not paying me anyway, who cares? Then there's a heart issue right there, right? And the book of Proverbs tells us to guard our heart above all else for it affects everything that you do. You may just want to guard your heart and look at it when it comes to the area of money. Am I willing to do something for money that I'm not willing to do for God for free? Just Think about that for a minute, okay? And so uh, I want to share really quickly um, probably the most famous story that I've ever shared, which isn't saying much, but the story that I've got the most feedback from, and I, saw, I think it's the only second time I've shared it, but it's the story of my $30,000 cheeseburger. And you're like, well, how did you get a $30,000 cheeseburger? Well, I am just wise enough and bright enough that I earned myself a $30,000 cheeseburger. And here's how it kind of goes. And, and, and you may think, well, this is... Uh, Pastor Dave, you're being too hard on yourself. No, I'm not being hard enough on myself. I did something stupid, and I opened the door for the devil to come in and do a lot of things in my life. And it wasn't God that made these things happen, but I opened the door just a little bit for the devil when the Holy Spirit warned me. And, and, it, and, it, and it, anyway, so here's the $30,000 cheeseburger story. So uh, it must have been 2014, I guess, at this point in time. So I'm at a local fast food establishment in Barstow. And, and, I, and I go through and I order dinner for everybody and, and I, they give me my change and my bag and I just take off without looking. When I get home later on, I realize, oh man, they gave me a five instead of a one. And there's an extra cheeseburger in the bag. Score! Woo! It's good! Yeah! 
And so I'm like, man, this is great. Four extra dollars and a cheeseburger? Yeah. And, and then instantly my heart was like, no, 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 no. You need to, you need to go make this right. Take care of it. I'm like, you know what? God, you're right. That's silly. I'll, I'll get to it, okay? I drive past this place every day. I'll get to it right now. We're in a hurry. We gotta be somewhere. And so I just postponed it until later. Well, uh, each day, you know, I, I, I began to forget about it and God would remind me, no, you need to go make that right. And I was always in a hurry. Who knows that we're pretty much always in a hurry. There's really never a time I leave my house that I'm just have all the time in the world to go do what I want to do. Usually I'm flying out of that place, man. And so and so I'm always like, you know, what? I'll, I'll get to it. And and slowly uh, I, I began, uh, I don't know, just getting more where, where I wasn't thinking about it that much. I began getting like, well, I'll get to it. And uh, it's four dollars. Who cares? And so November of that year. A series of really bad things started happening, <laughs> and some people would call it a string of bad luck. Some people would call it something else, but all I know is thing after thing started happening. My washer goes out. Man, that stinks. Uh, uh, this, you know, the car goes down over here. And finally what happened was the day before, maybe it may have been Thanksgiving Day. It was either Thanksgiving Day or the day before. We step into our bedroom, and our, our carpet is just soaking wet. I'm like, man, what is what happened? Which one of the kids did this? And, and, and so, you know, we try to dry it up and everything. And then just shortly thereafter, it's soaking wet again. Well, we call our good friend who's a plumber over and he identifies a pipe in the wall had just had busted and it had completely soaked, drenched everything in the house. It, it was, it was bad. And so here we have it, uh, between, uh, we, we, you know, we got to start getting contractors in and everything between Thanksgiving and like two days before Christmas, we lived at the Holiday Inn Express in Linwood. It's a great place, but you don't want to live in a hotel room with your kids for a month before Christmas. It's just not what I would call the blessing of God. And so we're living there. And so they do all this work, all this work. And, you know, it ends up being nearly $30,000. And, and, and it sounds, you know, and you may think, well, that could happen to anybody. Sure, it could. But I walk in the blessing. I'm a tither, and so I believe that these things aren't just going to happen to me. I'm not just anybody, and neither are you. Are you just are you just old so-and-so? You know, some people are like, well, we're only human. No, we're not. We're part human, but we're not only human. I've got a born-again spirit on the inside of me that's been bought by the blood of the Lamb. I am partially human, but I am not only human. Do not insult me. I'm a born-again son of God that has a spirit, soul, and body. And so, well, everybody has these. Not everybody has to have these things happen. And so as I'm, as I'm you know, writing checks and dealing with all this stuff, the cheeseburger flashes before my eyes. Dear God, the cheeseburger and it all came about me, and, 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 and you, you can laugh, and you can think that it had nothing to do with that. I know it had something to do with the $4 and the stinking cheeseburger I kept a couple of months earlier. And so God showed me, man, you opened the door to lose the blessing on your life for a cheeseburger. And it wasn't even one of their deluxe ones. It was like the value cheeseburger, the dollar one. It wasn't even a good cheeseburger. And so I'm looking at all this. And I'm like, my gosh, man, God didn't send the trouble, but this just shows me when I'm living in the blessing, how much trouble God's keeping off of my life that is trying to come at me every single day. Some people say, well, I never see any miracles. I never see that. That's a great thing, man, that you don't have to see God bail you out all the time. That means that God's keeping it away from you and God's his words working. But here I was, I opened the door. To let the devil come in and just start doing all these little things in my life. And there's more I can't even think of right now. Of all these little things one after another until the flood came. And I'm telling you, man, I could not get to that place fast enough when I realized how I opened the door. Because I'm like, what's next? What's going to happen next, man? I drove there. I sped there. And I went inside. I'm like, listen, I waited through the line. Listen to me right now. This makes no sense to you. Here's a $10 bill. Keep the change, darling. Don't ask any questions. You gave me too much change a few months ago. Take this. Get it away. Get out of my life. I never want to see you again. Get away. Keep your cheeseburger. I don't want nothing. Keep the cookies. Keep the fries. Keep it all. I don't want none of it. 
And so I'm, I'm sure I looked like a fool to them, but I couldn't take care of that situation fast enough. Because when you've got a leak in your life, you want to fix it as fast as you possibly can. And so I learned right there that there's nothing worth the blessing of God. I remember once, I mean, shortly after that, I went into the 99 cent store to buy pumpkins for the church here. And I, I told the lady 12, well, when I got out to the car, I had 13. Man, I ran in there like a running back. I was like, I was stiff arm and I got in there and I had to wait through the line again. And I was in a hurry, but I was like, please let me pay for this pumpkin. I, I, it's a long story, but you just let me pay for this pumpkin. So they let me pay for the pumpkin. And I'm telling you that once you have a revelation of you're a born again Christian, you're not like everybody else. You live your life different. Maybe it's okay for somebody else to take an extra pumpkin from the 99 cent store. It's not okay for you to take an extra pumpkin. It's not okay for you to keep the extra cheeseburger. You need to have the blessing of God upon your life for you and for your children. Can we get an amen at least on that this morning? That you are not so cool that you no longer need God's blessing upon your life. And ever since I first shared that story, I've had a lot of you tell me similar stories about, I know Lawrence had a potato chip issue at Stater Brothers, I think it was, and, and many others. And it sounds silly, but when you get close to God, right, you get more sensitive to things that they didn't used to bug you, but now you've got some convictions. You've got, you've got something that you stand for, and, and it means something to you now. To everybody else, they'll laugh at that and think, oh, that's silly, that's stupid. Well, it's not. When you know how much is on the line to have the blessing of God upon your life, right? And so when God, his spirit is speaking to you, you need to listen. I want to look here at Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Let's flip over there. Pray everybody's listening this morning. All right. Yeah. Matthew chapter 6. And uh, we're going to actually, you know what? Well, I'll just quote James 4.17. Go ahead and flip to Matthew 6. But James 4.17 For those who think that this type of lifestyle is silly, it says, remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. It is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. Just saying, man, you we need to keep our lives how God's word tells us to live them. It's not because we live under the Old Testament law. It's not because God's some sort of a, a, a dictator and God's some sort of... No, God gave us his word not to dictate our lives, but to give us an opportunity to have his blessing upon us. It's, it's, it's to bless us. It's not to control us. It's to bless us. And so look here at Matthew chapter 6. And this really goes along with what Pastor was talking about earlier. Matthew chapter 6. And verse 24, I think Robert told me that this is a great verse to prove that you, that to go against polygamy, you only need one wife because it says no man can serve two masters. Come on, somebody. Listen, listen to me. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. So, (laughs) okay. Robert, maybe it was, I don't know. That sounds like something he would say if nonetheless, if you know Robert. So, but it says no man can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Boom, there it is. That really isn't that deep, but it's just, just the absolute truth. You can't serve God and be enslaved to money. And I refuse to be enslaved to money. I don't want nothing owning me except for Jesus. And surely to goodness, money will not own me. Money will not tell me who I can talk to, what I can do. Well, you can't do this for Jesus. It costs too much. Well, Jesus told me to do it. Well, you can't because you don't have enough. Money's not going to tell me how to serve God. Money's not going to tell me how to raise my kids. God's going to tell me how to do that. His word's going to tell me how to do that. And so I refuse to risk the blessing of God by letting money control me. And so, I mean, there's a lot of ways that money can begin to control somebody. Just think about 
you know, what we just said about, well, you know, I, I can keep this extra money right there. Or, or I know this isn't really technically the legal way to do this, but I think I could just take a little cash for this. And, and it's not legal, so quit pirating your DVDs and selling them out there. Is that a word for anybody? No? Okay. <laughs> but, I'm, but, but really, listen, it's not worth risking the blessing of God on your life. Here's a personal favorite. How about when God blesses you with a job and you can't ever go to church anymore or see your wife and kids or your husband and kids? What a blessing. Wow. Now my wife and kids hate me because I'm a grump when I'm at home. But boy, I've got a lot of money. Really? It's worth that because now you've got a lot of money, but your kids can't stand you? Really? You never get to go to church anymore because God blessed you? Listen, God will never bless you with something that will pull you away from him, from his house, and from your family. His blessings will push you closer to him. They'll push you closer to your wife and kids, your husband and kids, to your family. That's what God's blessings do. But so many people, they, they, they aren't spiritually wise enough to, to discern, I guess, even though it's not that hard to discern this, but they aren't spiritually mature enough to realize that this isn't a blessing from God if I'm only going to see my kids for two hours a week now. That's not a blessing. That's a curse. Right? I mean, or, or, well, this is, I, I'm going to be able to do a lot more of this now, but I'm, man, I'm, I, I can only come like one time a month to God's house. And, uh, but man, he sure blessed me because we're really, we've got more than we've ever had. Is the risk worth the reward? Maybe it is. I don't know. Maybe it is for you. But for me, there's no dollar sign. I don't have a price tag on me. Uh, I, I don't have a selling amount for how much I'm willing to lose church to lose my family, those things are non-negotiable. They're not for sale in my life. There's no price. I mean, I'll sell you my car if you want to make me an offer. I'll sell you, you know, my baseball cards. I'll sell you my TV. I won't sell you my family. Won't sell you my church. I won't sell all of you guys who are our church. I wouldn't. There's not a price tag on you for me. It ain't worth it. There's nothing in this world worth it to get rid of that blessing that God has put in my life. Not worth it. You've got to have convictions and you've got to have some standards. You know, and I, I, I bring up this short little story. I remember when I did work at FedEx, uh, it was a scheduled uh, Tuesday through Saturday. And that was, my, that was my set in stone schedule. Well, Christmas of 2011, it was a record-breaking year for them at that time. And they said, we don't care who you are. Everybody, mandatory, be here Sunday as the Sunday before Christmas. If you don't show up, you don't have a job on Tuesday when you come. And I'm like, well, it's been nice working here, man, uh, but I won't be here. And I went and told my supervisor, like, hey, I, I appreciate it. If there's any way I can keep my job, I'd like to, but I will not be here because that's my conviction. And I believe, you know, anyway, and so I'm like, I, I, won't, I won't be here. And he said, there's no way around it. Everybody has to. We've never been this slammed before. And now they're even busier because the Internet's really taken over the marketplace. But at that time, it was, I mean, Christmas at a, at a shipping facility like that. You've got boxes stacked up to your head. It's an absolute, I can't even explain it. You've never seen anything like it. It's crazy. And I was like, man, I love you guys, but I won't be here. And here's the thing. I, that's, and I can say without hesitation, my adult life, that's the poorest I've ever been. I have never needed money worse than I needed it at that moment. We were poor, poor. And so I needed every penny I could get. But I'm like, okay, do I take this extra time? They're going to, they're going to make it worthwhile. They're, oh yeah, they're going to make it double time or whatever. And do I take this or do I go against in my heart the commitment that I've made to God? Is it worth one day of extra money risking the blessing of God upon my wife, my kids, my family? I said, guys, I'm sorry. Do what you got to do. I won't be here that day. And so fortunately, I was friends with a good attorney who, <laughs> who fo- whose focus was uh, employment law. So I just asked him, man, 
what can they do to me? Are, are they going to can me? He's like, and he asked me some questions, and he, he's like, have you ever gone back on this conviction? Never. He's like, they don't stand a chance. Don't show up Sunday. If they threaten you, call me, and I'll be right there. We'll have your name on the front of the FedEx facility in Indianapolis by next Tuesday. I was like, all right, I won't be there. And sure enough, I didn't show up, and they couldn't do anything to me. But I'm telling you right now, it's not worth the blessing of God just to get some extra money. I'll quote this verse. Proverbs 10:22 says, "The blessing of the Lord, you could write this down. The blessing of the Lord makes a person rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. The blessing of the Lord makes a person rich, but he adds no sorrow with it. I'd like to be rich, but I don't want the sorrow that goes with it, and because of the blessing of God, I don't have to risk it to get the blessing of God and to get rich, right? And so the second thing I want to talk about here is things that people risk their blessing for. Well, one very apparent thing is money, and I think that we could all agree on that. Another thing that people are willing to risk the blessing for is sin. Mm, yeah. And so I don't, I, don't, I don't expect a lot of amens on this section, so we'll just make it as – we'll make this portion of the message as fast and painless as possible. But it applies to me, and it applies to you, and it applies to all of us. There are a lot of people – that are willing to risk and lose it all for a few moments of fun, a little bit of pleasure, a little bit of feel-good, right? I mean, let's just get real here. There are people that are willing to risk losing it all for a little fun or whatever the case is. Now, as I said earlier, man, the question that I ask myself constantly in life is, is this situation worth losing the blessing of God upon my life or upon my family. I've not found anything yet that's worth losing that, losing the blessing of God. And the risk is never worth that reward. I want to tell you about a guy in the Bible named Samson. Now, we've got a pretty well biblically educated crowd here today, so I, I won't give it all. But Samson, uh, his mom, she always wanted to have a son, right? And she could never have one. And so she's faithful to serve God. And, and finally, the Lord, an angel of the Lord appears and says, okay, God is going to give you a son, but you have to dedicate him to the Lord and to the Lord's service. And then they give a list of things that her son was going to have to follow, the Nazarite vow. And so he was never allowed to cut his hair. He couldn't eat, I think, grapes and stuff like that. There was a whole list of stuff that he was just forbidden from partaking in. Well, that doesn't sound fair and silly. Well, who cares? It's what God said. And so... She's like, you got it. So she has this baby. She dedicates him to the Lord. He's raised in the ways of God and all this stuff. And so we have the grown man, Samson, that we know about. And God used Samson. He killed a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. He did all sorts of incredible things because God gave him this incredible strength. God gave him a strength. That was the blessing of God upon his life. Well, Samson had a weakness. Does anybody know what Samson's weakness was? It was the ladies. Samson liked the ladies. And Samson didn't just like the ladies. He liked really ungodly ladies. He didn't want none of those church girls. He wanted the wild ones out there at the club, right? He, he, didn't, he wasn't looking for a church girl. He was looking for a bad girl. And so Samson would, uh, he would go and, and, and waste his time on these ungodly women. So we're going to look at Judges chapter 16. And so he meets this lady named Delilah. Now, Delilah doesn't have his best interest at heart, obviously. She is actually working for the Philistines to figure out how they can take Samson down. And uh, so she, she makes several attempts, and each time uh, Samson breaks through it. And, and, and so he has plenty of warning that she's a bad girl. Did any of you guys have plenty of warning signs that he was a bad guy? He was a, she was a bad girl. You know, the signs were all there, but we just wanted to look past it because she was super pretty. He was really handsome. Whatever the case was, you had every possible warning sign that this is probably not good, right? And so some of you are laughing, and I get that. But, but here we are. Samson had a lot of warning signs to not mess around with this girl. But he kept pushing through it. And the Holy Spirit will give you warning sign after warning sign in situations like this and amongst others. But after a while, the more you ignore the Holy Spirit, the more calloused your heart becomes and the easier it is to go through with things. 
you know, when you, when you first start working with your hands or whatever, right, you get calloused if you're a carpenter, and, and for a while it hurts, but after a while, you've got so many calluses, it doesn't bother you at all anymore. It doesn't hurt it one bit. You're just so used to it. That's good for your hands if you're a carpenter or whatever, but it's bad for your heart if you're a Christian, because the more calloused and the more used to it you get, the more used to it you are of, of just pushing past the warning signs, the easier it gets. And after a while, you don't hear God's voice at all. You don't hear the Holy Spirit at all because you're so used to ignoring him. And that's a dangerous place to be. You need the Holy Spirit speaking into your life. You need the Holy Spirit giving you direction. So here we are, Judges 16. Uh, he's, he has just flat out ignored every warning sign. It says, Delilah lulled Samson to sleep with his head in her lap, and then she called in a man to shave off the seven locks of his hair. In this way, she began to bring him down. I'm looking at that right there. She began to bring him down. It didn't happen instantly, but, man, it started happening. She began to bring him down. He had warning after warning, every sign. He had God's word in his life, but it, 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 it began, and, it, and here it happened. And here's what happens next. His strength left him. Well, that, big deal. Now he's just like the rest of us. That's not a big deal because when God has blessed you with something and then you lose it, oh, well, I'm just like everybody else. No. Now you're a lot worse off than everybody else because the devil's going to come in and and absolutely rage all-out warfare upon you. Things that you used to be able to break out against, well, you don't have the blessing anymore. Now you're doing it on your own. Well, not everybody else has super strength. No, but not everybody else has an entire army coming against them in that area. Does does that make any sense? Maybe God's blessed you in an area. Maybe it's singing. Maybe it's, you know, your job. Whatever it is, and you sell the blessing of God now you're not on an even playing field. You're even worse off than everybody else because they don't have an entire army of demons coming after them in that particular area like you do. And when you have the blessing of God, you just got right up and smacked the enemy around, killed a thousand Philistines because you had that blessing. Now you don't. And just because the blessing left, the devil didn't leave. He's still there. He's still there. Those thousand Philistines, they didn't say, well, Samson doesn't have his strength anymore. Let's just back off. No, they came at him harder than they ever had before. You can't risk the blessing of God in your life. And so finally, his strength left him. Verse 20, then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. When he woke up, he thought, oh, I'll I'll do as I as before and just shake myself free. But he didn't realize the Lord had left him. Oh, my gosh. Some people sell their blessing and they don't even realize that they've kicked God straight out of their lives. And they think, ah, beat this a thousand times. Let's go. They didn't realize. Oh, no, no. It's not going to happen this time. You sold Jesus out because you wanted an extra five dollars. Well, my family's always pulled me through. Not now. You sold them out because you wanted to make double time, triple time for a whole year. They're not there anymore. Think about, you know, the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. You know, he, he, he finds his family and, well, they don't really, they're not there for him anymore because of what happened. Just think about this stuff. The things that you've relied on your entire life to pull you through, God, your family. What if you sell those up the creek because you got a really good deal on them? Something to think about, my friends. And so he gets up and, and he said, I'll just do what I've always done. He didn't realize that the Lord had left him. So the Philistines captured him and gouged out his eyes. They took him to Gaza where he was bound with bronze chains and forced to grind grain in the prison. They were using this man as a, as a mule. They tied him up to chains. He walked in circles all day long in the mill, grinding grain like a donkey would do. That's sad that we've got a guy that was the strongest and the best, the most anointed man for the people of Israel. And the enemy came, captured him, gouged his eyes out. Now they're making a mockery of him by doing the work of a farm animal. How sad is that? 
Well, I mean, you know what? Some sometimes got whose fault is this? He sold out his blessing, man, for sex. He sold out his blessing to feel good. How awful is this? And so one day they're the Philistines are having a giant festival at the temple of their god Dagon. And they're like, hey, you know what? Let's get that uh, that Israelite guy. We can't, Let's bring him out here and have him entertain us. So they tie him up. They're all drunk and wasted. And, and so they tie Samson up between these pillars, and they're throwing stuff at him and calling him names and all this. He's blind. He can't see where it's coming from. And they're just absolutely going at him. But look here at verse 27. Verse 27. It says, now the temple was completely filled with people. All the Philistine rulers were there. There were about 3,000 men and women on the roof who were watching as Samson amused them. He was their entertainment, just like an animal or something. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, sovereign Lord, remember me again. What a low place to be in. God, remember me. Just remember me again. Oh, God, please strengthen me just one more time. With one blow, let me pay back the Philistines for the loss of my two eyes. Then Samson put his hands on the two center pillars that held up the temple. Pushing against them with both hands, he prayed, let me die with the Philistines. And the temple crashed down on the Philistine rulers and all the people. So he killed more people when he died than he had during his entire lifetime. Now, I don't see this as a story of, you know, some people are like, yeah, there it is. Victory. This man's final words were, let me die with the Philistines. This is potentially the saddest story in the entire Bible, that this man sold the blessing of God. He sold it. This guy that was God's chosen one, man, he sold it all out for sex, and he dies with the wicked. I mean, the Philistines were nasty, man. They were awful. They sacrificed babies to their god, Dagon. And here's Samson, his final words, let me die with the Philistines. And he dies amongst 3,000 of the most wicked people you could imagine, the chosen one from God right there. Why? Is that what God had planned? Is that what God wanted? Not one minute, but he sold the blessing out, right? Because he thought, ah, this, I know that I know I've got, God told me not to, but this is the risk worth the reward. He thought the reward of sex with Delilah and all these other women was worth more than the blessing of God. That is that's intense right there, man. That is that is insanity that this happened. And so what I want to get to is number three. All right. Number three. What is it that people would sell or or risk the blessing of God for? And this third one is. Temporary comfort. Temporary comfort. Now, I've seen so many people over the years that I'm certain God wanted to bless and use. But let's just get real. They were too lazy. Man, I know people that got so much potential, but they'll never see it happen. They're just too lazy. I've got a good friend that I grew up with that he's talented in different areas. I I uh, was talking, I was in my hometown a few days ago, like, hey, how's he doing? Well, he's 34 and plays video games all day and eats nachos in his underwear on the couch in his mom's basement. Wow, that's, <laughs> I mean, okay, that's, that's not good. That's, he's got potential, but I'm telling you right now, man, he's just too lazy to do anything. And I love the guy. He's one of my good friend of mine, but he's stinking lazy. He's a loafer. And, um, and that's not good. It's not because, you know, God doesn't want to bless him. It's not because God, well, God just gives some people talents and others he doesn't. No, it's not that. He's too lazy to do anything, and his temporary comfort is worth more to him than employment is. His temporary comfort is worth more than going to church. And I'm telling you right now, that's a dangerous spot to be in. You know, I, 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 was, I was watching this interview with Billy Graham when he was 92 years old. He died almost at 100, remember? I think that was last year, beginning of last year. He was just a month or so away from being 100. But when he was 92, they're interviewing him. It's actually Fox News. And, and the lady, she's asking him, you know, Reverend, do you have any regrets over your life in ministry? And I'm thinking, he can't have one. This is the, most, this is the goat of preaching, the goat, the greatest of all time. There's never been, seriously, 
Nobody has ever preached to more people in person than Billy Graham has. He led over, I think, he preached over 2.2 billion people in his lifetime. Led over 3 million people to the Lord. Nobody's got those numbers. I mean, that's insanity right there. Even the Apostle Paul didn't preach to that many people in person. It's incredible. And so I'm like, he can't have one regret, man. And so without hesitation, he says, oh, yeah, yeah, I've got one regret. I'm like, if Billy Graham tells me that he's got one regret, pen and paper are coming out. I'm taking notes because whatever it is, it's got to be a humdinger if Billy Graham has got a regret. And so he says, my one regret out of all this is I wish that when I was younger, I had spent more time in prayer and in the presence of God. Like, Billy? Billy Graham? Is that you? Billy Graham. If, if this man who is, I mean, it's not even arguable, the most basically successful Christian of all time, the most successful preacher of all time, if he says he wished he had spent more time in prayer and in the presence of God, I'm like, whoa, I feel like I need to go get saved right now, man. Where's, Billy needs to give an altar call because I need to go up front. If Billy Graham feels like that, that makes me feel like, my gosh, Jesus. What about the times that I just, uh, you're, you're calling me to prayer, but I don't want to get out of bed right now. You're calling me to prayer. You're calling me to, to do something more for you, but I don't feel like it. Temporary comfort will keep you out of all that God has for you. I mean, you know, you've got some blessing in your life, but the fullness of what God has for you, is it worth just being more temporarily comfortable over? It's not. It never is. I remember the same time frame as all that FedEx stuff I was talking about. God was really calling me to a higher level in life with him and than I'd ever been before. And so God was calling me to get up at, at that time, 4 o'clock every morning, and, and, and forget about the sleep, just simply spend a few hours of prayer and studying his word and getting in his presence. And, man, I, I did that, and it's a habit that stuck with me for eight years now, and I love it. And, 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 I'm, and I don't have any regrets. Sometimes I want more sleep. Sometimes I want, sometimes I get up earlier than that, sometimes later. But, but I don't have any regrets of getting closer to Jesus and losing a little bit of sleep over, losing a little bit of food over, losing a little bit of this over. None of it's, I mean, man, the risk was worth the reward. Well, if I do that, I'll be really tired. The reward was well worth the risk on that one. Well, if I do that, then I can't. It's worth it, man, to get closer to Jesus in our lives. Is your temporary comfort worth more than the blessing of God? And so I want to flip to Hebrews chapter 11 as we close out. Hebrews chapter 11. So to walk in the blessing sometimes means we got to get out of our comfort zone. You're going to have to get out of your comfort zone if you're going to fully walk in the blessing of God. I can just say this much. I'm glad Noah didn't care more about his comfort than making an ark. Anybody else? Thank God he didn't mind getting made fun of and, and all that hard work. He cared more about obeying God and building that ark. I'm glad David didn't care more about his comfort than facing a giant. I'm glad. That had to be uncomfortable. I'm glad that Daniel didn't care more about his comfort than praying three times a day and facing towards Jerusalem. I'm glad he didn't care. And I'm glad that Jesus didn't care more about his comfort when it was that day to go to the cross. He's like, you know what, this is going to really hurt, but I've got to do this. And he did it. So Hebrews chapter 11, verses 24 to 27, it says, It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. What? He chose oppression with God's people over the pleasure of sin? I wish some Christians would do that now. But here he is, raised in Pharaoh's household. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasure of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. And that's one of my, I mean, that verse gets me every single time, that Moses did not care about the king's anger. He didn't care about the king's money. He didn't care about all the stuff that he grew up in, his privileged life, because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. 
And so that's what I'm kind of wrapping it all down to for us here today. Is the risk worth the reward in any area of our life? We've got to look at that and say, is this money worth more than losing my family? Is this worth more than losing my church, losing the ground that I've gained in my Christianity? Is this over here worth it? Listen, if it's going to pull you away from Jesus, it's never, ever, ever not one ounce worth it. If it's going to pull you away from your family, if it's going to pull you away from God's house, your church that you're called to, you're called here just as much as I am and my family is. We're, we're in this together, right? You, you do realize and I, I mean, some people don't realize this isn't the Samples Church. This is the McNeil Church, the Valdez Church, the Cabrera Church, the Coleman Church. This is our church. You're called to it just as much as I am. And I'm telling you right now, there's nothing in this world that's worth losing this to me over. Not one thing. And so I'm challenging you today to look at your life and just ask this question. Is the risk worth the reward? And I can promise you right now, it's not worth it. God has the blessing for you, for your family, for your job, for your money, for your house, for your children, for all of it, if we'll do things His way. Amen? Let's go ahead and stand up together today. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.